Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the 552nd edition of the Feuerstein's Fire on Friday the 5th is just inexcusable, and it is just pathetic to know what is happening in the town of Irvine, California, as the township government, the news at the moment coming from the Orange County Black and Orange podcast people informing us that the government township is ready to kick out Orange County SC of USL Championship Cal United Strikers from NISA to allow Los Angeles Galaxy's two-team, Los Dos, to be the only tenant and play at the championship soccer stadium in Irvine, California, at that athletic field facility. And as of right now, we have... No idea why U.S. soccer is not putting their foot down on this. We do not understand why MLS has not even bothered to inform the Galaxy not to do this. And to be fair and to be honest, this is the situation that I have been screaming about clubs below Major League Soccer to build their own facilities so that they can stop paying rent to these companies, to these landlords, whether it is a facility owned by the town or by a different ownership group in sports. It is just asinine that we have to now have this situation come and stare us right in the face. I am upset, I am angry, and I am mad. It's not that I don't believe in the soccer war situation between MLS and USL. It's not that... But this has always been about the argument with ProRel. And I have said many, many times on my show, and I have said over and over and over again, the only way ProRel will work here is every single club in every single professional division build their own stadium. We cannot have the continuation of clubs below Major League Soccer renting facilities that they don't own. And now that threat has come to fruition. That threat has now exposed itself. Orange County SC is the defending USL Championship winners. They are the second division champions of 2021. And with that title in the eyes of the government of Irvine, California, now showing themselves to being the best in 
second division soccer. Now that opportunity to say we deserve to be respected by everybody has been now thrown out the window. And now the Los Angeles Galaxy wants to flex their muscle to kick out the second division champions who are defending their title this year and also kicking out third division NISA's California United Strikers. What is going on? Well, what is happening here? Well, I'll tell you what's happening here. And even though I do agree that there are soccer wars going on within our country, the reality is this. MLS should never govern any leagues below them. And when MLS Pro Next got sanctioned as a third division league, meaning that their clubs will also be facing other independent clubs that want to join their league, that was wrong. That is wrong. Because USL runs second and third division legitimately. NISA wants to be third division. I have said many times that we cannot have three leagues, more than one league at least, to be considered third division. Even at the time when USL and ASL were fighting for the second division standing, and both leagues at that time were second division, I said to myself, you know what, we need to establish something here that's a little bit better than this. We need somehow U.S. soccer to stand up And do I think that Major League Soccer and Commissioner Don Garber itself are, are initiating all of this? I don't think so. The LA Galaxy don't need help from Garber or from MLS to make a move like this. They can do it all on their own. You know, the New York Red Bulls, ever since building Red Bull Arena to finally give the New York City area a soccer stadium of their own where we can watch the sport, celebrate the sport, root for the sport. Throughout the years, all they did have their academy kids play in academy leagues sanctioned by U.S. soccer. And when when MLS and USL originally had the contract to allow two teams, MLS two teams, to be in USL championship, That was a win. But then USL decided and told MLS, look, we appreciated you being with us. Now we want you to please leave because we want to stand our own two feet without you guys. And that's how we feel. And when the time came for this MLS Pro Next, you know, that was the right thing to do. Even though I still feel MLS Pro Next should not be a professional league. I believe it should be a reserve league for these teams. Everything has costs, and I understand that. But the way that the Galaxy has gone about to kick out Orange County, SC, and Cal Strikers, and the California United Strikers is just asinine and terrible and pathetic. They already have a stadium built for Los Dos. The track and field stadium that's outside the Dignity Health Sports Park. That's where they play. That is their home. They're all connected over there. What is the problem? What is the absolute problem 
with LA Galaxy 2 playing at a facility that is also partially owned by the Los Angeles Galaxy. What is wrong? What is the problem? It's not good enough? Well, then build, then, then, then build the stands better. You have land. And just to go back on the New York Red Bulls, you know what they did to help their team perform better but not use Red Bull Arena? For USL games, for Red Bull 2 team, what did they do? They partnered with Montclair State University in Montclair, New Jersey. And they rebuilt, refurbished, and redid their soccer field. Red Bull 2 has a home in Montclair State University. They co-own it with the university. So that means it is used by Red Bulls 2 by the Montclair State University men's and women's soccer programs, and and they have also allowed teams that are not in USL, not in MLS, to use their facility as a home field advantage as well. FC Motown, who just won the NPSL championship, uses the soccer stadium at Montclair State University as a home as a home stadium just like they did with Drew University in Madison, New Jersey. FC Morristown. They just hosted and won the NPSL championship this past weekend. So that means, you know, if everyone is screaming out loud saying, "Well, MLS is up to this, MLS is up to that." MLS was not even involved in this with the Red Bulls. And I understand what you're saying. Well, you know, Motown was not forced out of their home. No, they weren't. But the point you're, I'm making here is that the Red Bulls are allowing Motown to use a facility. MLS does not have their hands involved with this Orange County situation. And it is a failure on the government of Irvine, the town government of Irvine, California, and is also a major failure by the U.S. Soccer Federation that they cannot put their foot down and to stop this. Jake Edwards, the president of USL, now has to act. And to be honest, he shouldn't have to act because U.S. Soccer should have stopped this right away. U.S. soccer only cares about the national teams, the youth national teams, starting to now care about the Open Cup, but that's as far as it goes. They are the governing body of the game in this country at Soccer House in Chicago, Illinois. They know what's going on. They are aware. They should be aware of what's going on. They should contact the LA Galaxy, and tell them, you can't do this. And everyone keeps telling me, and this is where my argument comes into play, people keep telling me that are in the whole pro-rel end of things, that wants to change things around here because pro-rel, we don't have sporting merit in the country, and we don't have pro-rel, so everyone else can stay the same everywhere else around the world, but we should allow... USL teams to qualify for the Champions League, which it looks like it might happen with Sacramento because they're going to earn it on their own through sporting merit in the Open Cup. Yet, they want teams that have gotten as far as, say, uh, Union Omaha, who got to the quarterfinals, they deserve to be in the fourth round to start in the Open Cup, and I say no. We are not going to implement some form of pro-rel in the Open Cup, or in the CONCACAF Champions League, just to satisfy what you guys want. If we are going to be like the rest of the world, this is what has to happen. That we need to have everyone under the same umbrella, under the same respect. Every club in every professional league must have built their own stadiums if they're able to do it. And if they're not, fine. Rent the facility, but they don't own the facility. 
That is the problem here. Because it's different in this country than it is in Europe or South America or Mexico, Central America, Africa, Asia, everywhere else. If we don't have these stadiums done for these clubs all over the American all over the American soccer landscape, this is what's gonna happen and now it is happening. It is happening now. It is terrible. It is disgusting. And I am pissed off. Orange County deserves better than this. And the lack of respect that they're getting really, really ticks me off. That's my introductionary monologue. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Now it's time to get to the real crux of the situation of what's going on with the failure of American soccer national team fandom. Joining me right now from... World Soccer Talk is Carter Krishnire, and, you know, Carter, you know, you and I, you know, we, we, we put our thoughts, our opinions on the national team every time they are performing, whether it's in a friendly or in official competition, Gold Cup, World Cup qualifying, the World Cup itself, we give proper praise to these players, we give proper criticism when it's needed, but... When the fans are talking about whatever the subject is now, whatever new subjects that they're talking about, it is an absolute disgrace how they are treating players, whether they play domestically, abroad, or why they think they don't deserve to be on the national team and will find a way to kick them off. Yeah, and and the thing that really bothers me, Daniel, is that we've got a a, a culture now where – where if you have a different opinion or give some sort of nuance or, 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 or explanation for why um, Joe Scaly isn't the next Danny Alves, you know, you, you get, you get flamed upon, you know, if you, if you, if you, if you say, Hey, you know, uh, John Brooks, isn't Thiago Silva, you know, you can get, you get uh, attacked at the same time. You know, if you promote certain players that I guess are not fashionable, Jordan Morris, Tim Ream, et cetera, uh, you get equally, claim there's no understanding of you can have a difference of opinion personal preferences about players looking at it from a coach's perspective and quite frankly daniel what's happened is for years you and i have been doing this for 15 years together right in one yes uh or another you and i started uh doing shows together in 2007 um at the time i would say american players were largely criminally underrated in europe and here now you have a bunch of american players who become overhyped because of this phenomenon. In fact, even in England, there's, there's, I, I see they're overrating some American players now because I think Twitter inflates, um, you know, the algorithm on Twitter inflates uh, the value of some players. So even, you know, talk sport, which I'll be on in an hour, actually, talking about uh, today's match, uh, West Brom, Watford, which, of course, uh, DK didn't play in because he got injured, by the way. It might be serious. He might be out for the World Cup now, Daryl DK. Um, but... Uh, yeah, even guys like Joe Scaly, you know, y'all hear them talk about a talk sport. Oh, this highly touted American who is one of the emerging right backs in the world. Well, that's, that's a narrative that's come from kind of the U.S. M&T fan culture and made its way into the mainstream British press. And um, Burhalter hasn't picked Scaly uh, very often, right? And um, I think there were reasons for that, valid reasons. We can agree or disagree on that. But um, – what has happened is you have um, a fan culture now that inflates certain players, and then guys like Aaron Long, who I think you know uh, um, was the was the was the Kickstarter for this discussion for us to have today, are, 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 are run down by the fan base. And they're in fact they're guys. And I have to say this about Scaly: I've watched a lot of Scaly games at Gladbach, the actual matches, not just the highlight clips that a lot of these guys put on Twitter. He has some serious defensive deficiencies. Um, really good going forward. He's going to be a very good player. He will be a national team regular at some point. But Burhalter doesn't think he's ready. He's not Danny Alves. 
as I said, or, you know, he's not Kyle Walker um, or Trent Alexander Arnold. He's not there yet. So um, the fact that 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 Berhalter is still picking other guys at right back um, and has given Shaq more a look, and you know, it's still persisting with DeAndre Yedlin. There are reasons for that. And you can disagree with those reasons, but it's like we can't even have the conversation anymore, Daniel. I can't say, hey, here's what Greg Verhalter's thinking. This is why he's sticking with Yedlin uh, over Scaly. Then it's like, oh, you know nothing. Verhalter's in the tank. You know, he, he, uh, there, there, there's always some conspiracy theory. And, um, yeah, it's gotten really bad. And it's become very noticeable to a lot of people that um, a lot of these American players um, are either – so I don't think we're being realistic about any of the players right now. We're either saying, oh, they're not very good, they don't belong in a national team, or these guys are, are global superstars, right? There's no in-between. And um, it's the USMNT fan culture. And I, Daniel, I think a lot of these people have become fans since 2017. I think they're newer fans. They haven't gone through the struggles. They don't respect how Clint Dempsey had to work. Brian McBride scored every single – there was a statue of Brian McBride at Craven Cottage where that great game happened on, on uh, Saturday morning. By the way, great, great match for Timmy Ream and, and, and Anthony Robinson. Every single goal McBride scored for Fulham, he scored after the age of 30. You don't have, just because you're in Europe at 18 or 19 doesn't mean you're, you're, uh, you're the next Messi. And just because you're an MLS at 28 or 29 or, you know, in McBride's case, he was at the Milwaukee Rampage in USL before he got the MLS, right? Before he got the club. Doesn't mm-hmm. mean that you're, you're about to be written off. So um, the takes are getting very toxic, I would say. It's, it's gone toxic. And, you know, I don't, care about you know whatever criticism people have with Aaron Long you know what he'll do what he might not do um you know I leave it alone I'll just say to myself okay look at that that this is how some of these fans feel about Aaron that's fine Killy's tendon tear that ended his season last year and you think he's not good enough now because of you know recovering from that okay that's a fair criticism I don't have a problem with that I don't have a problem with them saying this, that this is something wrong in his game, there's something wrong with him in his positioning, there's something wrong with how he's playing center back, that's fine. If that's how you feel, it's not a big deal. But when you go too far to first start off by saying, I hope, they, I, I hope he gets burned by the attackers. You see, the, I mean, without even watching the games, they see the final score was 5-4 in the last home match against the Colorado Rapids on Tuesday uh, for the Red Bulls. Which where he scored a goal on a set piece to make it two nil at the time, but they coughed up five. It's not one man on the back line that is the cause of all those goals being put into the back of the net. It is him, it is the fullbacks, and his center back partner that is also at fault for not defending those chances. It's not just or Aaron Long. It's the entire the team at the back line. Or the central exactly. That's the thing also. These guys are watching highlight clips, Daniel. So they, they see the last man in the, in the picture, and it's usually the center back. So they're blaming the center back. We had, we had this problem also with previous U.S. center backs where they've been blamed and, you know, heard how bad they are when, in fact, most moves, and you see this again this weekend in the Premier League, first weekend of the season. You see most goals, the guys who are responsible for the goals are the, are, are the wide players who don't track back. Uh, or the central midfielder who gave the ball away or didn't track a runner who made a, 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 a run from deep midfield. Okay. Uh, you know, there are other defensive errors, or the goalkeeper who, 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 whose distribution wasn't right. So, like, I, I even – so, Daniel, the, the first time I really noticed this was uh, 2020. Um, look, I, I'm, I'm all for Christian Pulisic. I, I, I'm, you know, very, very uh, hopeful about him. But there were flaws in his game, okay? And there were reasons yeah. why he wasn't starting Portman at the end of that season. There were reasons why uh, at Chelsea he's been in and out of the team. When I said Tyler Adams, who was playing at Leipzig at the time, is a better positional player. He understands what's in front of him. He reads the game better. He, um, he, he makes the right runs. He times his pass as well. Pulisic. Um, is spectacular, spectacular dribbler, great finisher, but there were flaws in his game. This is why Lucian Favre has dropped him at Dortmund at the time, and then after that it was Lampard at Chelsea. You know, it was like it was the abuse I got. 
I mean, I couldn't believe it. And I was, I was building up a number of American players. And I realized, ah, Adams played in USL, and then he played in MLS. So he can't possibly be as good as Pulisic. And then um, same thing happened when I said something about Alfonso Davies being the best player from North America, which I didn't think was really that debatable, by the way. Um, no, it's not. All this torrent of abuse, again, because of Pulisic. And the Guardian podcast in the UK has actually talked about this. Like, anytime they say something critical of Pulisic, they get all this mail from American listeners, angry, uh, uh, defiant, defensive. They can say something uh, negative about another American player. They don't get anything. Or they say something positive about another American player. I mean, I guess a guy guy that that they've really – rated on that podcast is Brendan Aronson, and now he comes to England, and so they'll see him every week, but they rated him high from Champions League. But they, there, was no, there was no conversation about that, right, about Aronson? Uh, uh, negative, nope. you know, negative or positive mail. It's, it's largely about Pulisic. Um, so it's very weird. So they pick certain players that are chosen players, and they just latch on to these guys. Scaly is, 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 is like the most – most notable example, because I, like I said, I've watched a lot of him at Gladbach. I think he's got great potential, but he's not, uh, he's not Kyle Walker. <laughs> you know, they, but they, any, every squad selection, Daniel, you must've noticed this on Twitter. When the U S squad selection is put out by Burhalter and Scaly's not on there, there's like this Twitter eruption for days. Um, so it's a very toxic thing. And on Aaron Long, I agree with you. Um, look, if you, if you're legitimately saying, okay, he's coming off an injury, we don't think he'll regain full fitness, uh, maybe we can't afford to take him to the World Cup. Okay, that's a legitimate point of view. You can have a difference of opinion. It is. You can have your own opinion. But they, they, they don't express it that way. They express it like, you know, he sucks and he's never left MLS and, you know, this guy's playing in Europe and this guy was at an academy when he was 14. Um, in fact, Aaron Long was sought by European clubs, right? I mean, he, he just – he was more yeah. victim of MLS not letting him go. Um, so uh, it's just terrible. And I think a lot of guys don't know the backstories on our players and they don't understand, like even the Tim Ream thing this week. They must have been shocked watching that Liverpool Fulham game, how good Ream was. And Ream is the leader. He's the leader of Fulham. And I think it's pretty bad to have a guy who's a captain of a Premier League club not in the national team. So I don't like that Burhalter hasn't been picking Ream. I think he could give a lot of leadership, even if he's not going to play. But that having been said, that, um, you know, anytime I mention Ream, it's like, oh, he's slow and he's this. And these guys aren't even watching Fulham. Okay, I watch a lot of Fulham. Like I said, I'm going to be on Talk Sport in uh, about a half hour talking about the championship. I watched a lot of Fulham last year. Tim Ream is a player, yep. right? And, he, and he's the leader. And you know that from his time in Red Bull. Yeah. You can't say anything overly positive about him without getting attacked. Exactly. And I also I, – I have to – I, I have to – to... Uh, let's just be honest. Okay, how many Americans I, – I can't really think of one that's been the permanent captain. Guys have worn the armband at times. I think he's the first guy that's the permanent captain of a Premier League club that's an American. I, I may be wrong about this, but I think he is mm-hmm. when I think back. No, exactly. But, I, but you know, I really have to say this because I know I sent you what, I, what, what happened on Twitter. I have to say it. Because I really want everyone to understand how bad it's really gotten. It's gotten to the point where you have Twitter accounts making up fake quotes of what Aaron Long said, which never happened at all. And I have to say it because this really ticks me off what they did. Created was, and it's right on my phone right here. I'm not really worried about that, to be honest with you. They're on and off in Europe and I'm an every-week starter in MLS. They use the N-word for this fake quote, have always doubted me, but I believe in myself I have to. Aaron Long, when asked about his spot in the U.S. Men's National Team center back depth position, that, Cardick, is the level of stupidity, dumbness, and you want to find a way to get Aaron Long not to be a part of this World Cup roster? That is just pathetic from the U.S. Men's National Team fan base where I had enough, and I had to say it. I went on Twitter myself, and I said it right there. You want to claim that Aaron Long is a racist just because you don't want him on the men's national team for no reason because you think 
He's not as good as he used to be after his Achilles tendon tear. That is just inexcusable. Thankfully, that tweet has been taken down. And I have had enough of the garbage that these national team fans have been spewing on Twitter, trying to put their point across. Well, he stinks. It's okay if you think he stinks. It's fine. Just don't go that far. And you did go that far because it is those types of jerks that have allowed this to go over the line, and I have had enough. And this is where I say you are no longer a fan of the U.S. men's national team if you're rooting for a player to get blitzed and scored on and destroyed on the pitch so he's not part of what you think the U.S. men's national team roster should be picked by Greg Berhalter. Yeah, this is all based on, um, you know, uh, player performances and guys. Well, this guy's technically better than that guy. This guy's better, you know, uh, is quicker, is, has better pace. Okay, there are a couple of things I have to interject here because, by and large, most of these guys don't get this. There are a few that do. There are a few accounts that I had flagged six months ago that I said, oh, you know, these guys are just uh, wind-ups, and it turned out they're, they're, some of them do know what they're talking about, but most of them don't. Um, one, there is a whole dressing room aspect to, to a national team, okay? There is for a club team, too. But let's say, talk specifically about this national team. These guys are going to be 26 guys in a camp for a month together, traveling together, having meals together, taking the bus together, uh, being in the same dressing room, okay? So sometimes there are guys, apparently like John Brooks, who maybe don't fit into the group, okay? He may be the and I and I've said it myself, John Brooks – from 2018 to 2021, to me, best American playing anywhere in the world. Uh, better than uh, Pulisic, who we talked about earlier. Better than Adams, who, who I rate very highly. Um, but there are aspects that you have to fit into the group. It's also the case with some of these other guys. Maybe they don't mesh well. Maybe they don't get along well. You know, Jurgen Klinsmann has been honest. He took Brad Davis to the 2014 World Cup because Brad Davis got along with everybody, right? That was another one they would hate because he was an MLS lifetime player. But um, he's a guy that, like, hey, you know, in the dressing room, he'd be good. He's not going to play much, but he's that 23rd guy. He, he, he won't be sulking about not playing. Same thing with Brian Ching in 2006, by the way, with Bruce Arena. And Bob Bradley has, uh, has, has personally told me, his, you know, uh, one of the hardest decisions he, made, he, he ever had to do, one of the hardest decisions he's ever made as a coach, was cutting Ching from the 2010 roster because he knew the players all liked Ching. So whether Ching played or not, he's a guy you want in the dressing room. And it was just that Davies had gotten hurt. They hadn't settled on, uh, you know, how to replace Charlie Davies. So he had to take, a, uh, he had to take Robbie Finley and take Edson Buttle both. Right, he normally would have only taken one of those two guys, right? And then he would have taken Trim also. So there is a dressing room dynamic, a travel dynamic, a team dynamic that so many of these fans on Twitter don't understand. And every time I try and bring this up, I get pushed back upon. Well, you should be selecting the 23 best players. You know, France doesn't select the 23 best players. Uh, admittedly, Deschamps took Kurt Zuma to the last tournament uh, instead of uh, Theo Hernandez. Why? Because Kurt, say Hernandez is a better player, by the way. Because Kurt Zuma gets along with everybody in the dressing room. He's a, he's a fun guy. Now I don't like him anymore because of that cat video, right? The horrible thing he did to to his cats. But that was this was before that. This has happened time and time again. You don't pick your 23 best guys or 26 now in the case of this tournament. You pick the guys who mold best together. Yes, you want your top 11 or 14 guys, 11 to 15 guys, so. After that, you're, you're, you're getting guys who can play multiple roles. You're playing guys who will be good in the dressing room. You're playing guys uh, – you're taking guys that get along with everyone. And that's something I guess I don't think these guys understand. And Aaron Long has been around the national team longer than a lot of the guys you're talking about, right? Um, and, uh, you know, he and uh, – God, I'm blanking out on his name. Another great – another really good central defender you had from uh, Red Bull between Reem and, and Long. Um they uh, they were not Miazga. Not Miazga. No, no I, I don't want Miazga going. There was another guy you had, uh, veteran player. God, why am I forgetting his name? Um, but oh, um, I forget right now. But I know I think I know who you're talking about. But I forgot his name right now. Yeah. Yeah, and then, uh, yeah, he was a little older. But you know, there are there are partnerships also that have to be formed. Um, and 
and and so this is something also about um, chemistry on a national team, right? You don't just throw guys into the team, into the mix, and say, oh, you can do it with maybe one or two guys, but there has to be some degree of chemistry, especially this year, because the um, the league ends um, – 10 days or nine days before the World Cup kicks off, right? Eight or nine days before the World Cup kicks off. So you're not going to have the usual camp and the friendlies in advance to say, okay, uh, you know, you remember we had the friendlies where uh, um, Corey Gibbs got hurt, um, Greg Vanny got hurt one year. I think that's actually how Berhalter was on one of the uh, World Cup teams. We're not going to have those friendlies this time around. So um, – I don't think there is a long runway for some of these guys they're talking about. So here, here's the, the upshot, Daniel. When the U.S. inevitably is bounced out of the World Cup, whether it's at the group stage or in the round of 16 or whatever, the same Twitter legion is going to come after Greg Berhalter and say, well, if he had taken this guy or taken that guy and not taken this one, we would have won the World Cup, basically. And it's all noise. I would urge fans to just not listen to it. Um, and it's counterproductive for, 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 for the team and for a lot of these players. I mean, I don't think Joe Scaley probably wants the pressure these guys have put him under. I, I, I don't, you know, to be the savior. I don't think uh, uh, guys like that necessarily want to be seen uh, as the next coming because the pressure is enormous. We, we see what it's done to Pulisic, right? You know, he, he, he's a good player, but he's not the player they thought he'd be. And that's not his fault. That's their fault, really. Yeah, it really is. You know, Cardick, I have to say this. You know, when we talk about the popularity of the sport, there was only two factions in, with American sports fans. Those that love the game and those who hate the game. And then it broke up into those that hate the game Love both MLS, U.S. Men's National Team. Love the U.S. Men's National Team, but hate MLS. Now it's gone even worse. It's gotten worse. Now you've got U.S. soccer fans who are upset because why is the roster, you know, past 50% on MLS players and not so much on players that are playing abroad in Europe? Why is that? Now we've got Men's National Team fans hating on certain American players who don't deserve to be called into the men's national team. I, I've, I've lost, I mean, have we lost our marbles? Have we lost common sense? What is, the rea- what is the answer to all this? What is the reality to all this now? That everything, okay, we know that social media is here, and it's here for to stay no matter what. But what is the common sense part here that no one wants to understand? That we cannot have a national team or an American soccer fandom so divided along every single section that we're never going to come back together and be whole again. Yeah, Daniel. I mean, I, to me, that's, uh, that, that's absolutely right. We now divided into these subsections, which are very, very dangerous. And I think a, a, a key subsection, okay, this is the key separation. There is a group of fans who focus on MLS first or USL, right, domestic leagues. There's a, there's a group of fans who focus first on the Premier League or, or, or some other league in Europe. Now there is a subset of fans who focus on the national team as like it's a club team, okay? Not like it's a national team. Not like, okay, I'm watching MLS today and, you know, these guys are getting picked and I'm going to watch the team next week or I'm watching uh, Manchester United today and these guys are going to get picked and I'm watching that. They don't care about Manchester United or the Red Bulls. They care only about the national team. I mean, this is a really strange thing to me. And, and uh, it, I'm not the only one who's pointed this out. There are other people prominent in the media who I've talked to privately are like, this is a really new thing. Uh, and, in fact, one of them blamed, uh, blamed Donald Trump for it, which I thought was kind of ridiculous. But whatever the case, it's happened recently. And these people are the ones who are dominating social media. They don't watch games. They don't support a club. They don't go to games. Maybe they go to games just to watch the national team players, right? But they are focused on what every U.S. men's national team player pool guy is doing in in whatever team they play for. And they're not actually watching the games. They're getting highlight clips or they're uh, amplifying certain players. So I've I've been told that, like, um, 
you know, we're divided, right? Because you you've always had this European versus MLS thing, MLS slash USL versus European fans, but that those fans have more in common now than they do with these other group of fans that's developed that are only national team fans. And my understanding from what some people have told me is that this really grew out of YouTube and now has made its way to Twitter. Um, but, and that the national team has attracted all these new, new soccer fans, right? They're newer soccer fans. They're not really, they're, they haven't been around like you and I have been. I, I mentioned at the top, you and I have been doing shows together off and on for 15 years. Um, and we were both kind of hardened soccer people by the time we started doing that in 2007 with, with the defunct champion soccer rating network. These, these people were, were, were uh, baseball fans, you know, exclusively baseball fans or whatever. Maybe they weren't even sports fans then, or maybe they were very young. But um, it's very strange. And, and, again, there are media members, prominent media members that everyone would know that I've talked to privately that are like, yeah, this is very strange. There was always we thought – this, Euro, quote, Euro snob versus MLS snob thing. Now, those two groups have more in common. It's actually this third group that, that's popped up. And, Daniel, I, I want to ask you, when did you first notice this group? Because I've been told 2017, 2018 really is when it popped up. I'm guessing after the, the loss in Cueva. Um, but they also don't seem to understand that you can't field the team with 20, 21 and 22-year-olds completely and win and, and go far in the World Cup. That's why – you know, I mentioned Timmy Ream. I've mentioned Michael Bradley before. Uh, Josie, even uh, that—that's out now. But um, you know, they get so angry, they get so hostile about the mention of any of these names. And as I said, I'm going to leave it again at this, Daniel. Tim Ream is the captain of the Premier League club, the permanent captain, the standing captain, the guy wearing the armband for one game. Um, I don't think that's ever happened in the in the history of the U.S. Claudio Reynio wore the armband a couple times at Man City and at Sunderland. Um, McBride has worn the arm. Uh, Bocanegra worn the armband a few times for Fulham, but none of them were the were the permanent captains, right? Um, so this is a really actually there was a game I remember Jeff Cameron camp, captain uh, Stoke, but uh, this is a really big deal to me that Tim Ream is the captain of a Premier League club, and they seem to think it's some sort of joke. And some 21-year-old is, 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 is should be getting uh, should be talked up, and Reem should be talked down. So, and then you can't have the conversation with them. That's the thing. Okay, it's fine if they like the 20-year-old better than than Tim Reem. It's great. Everyone's entitled to their opinion. Uh, that's what makes this sport so beautiful. There's so many different ways to look at football, soccer, but they won't let you have the conversation. They don't want to hear the reasons why someone like me thinks Tim Reem should still be uh, in consideration. No, I agree with you, and I'll tell you what it is, Kardec. I, I mean, you're more, at the time, you, you're more to the ground of what's going on than I was, to be fair and to be honest. I think ever since Twitter upgraded themselves with these algorithms for the sport, because, you know, yeah. I talk about soccer all the time. Uh, you talk about soccer all the time. I talk about the Red Bulls a lot. You know, I use Twitter to report during Red Bull matches. Uh, to those that want a difference of an opinion than what Steve Cangelosi and Chef Messing give over uh, on MSG Network or wherever they stream the games, wherever they're at home or on the road or whatever, or living somewhere else in the country, but they're still fans of, of uh, the Red Bull slash Metro Stars. When I started getting these, you know, tweets, not that I asked for it, but it's been showing That's to me. Let me just jump in for a second, uh, Daniel. Yep. I want the listeners yep. to understand. You and I don't follow most people. There's an algorithm Twitter has where now I, my tw- timeline is polluted with U.S. men's national team stuff I don't want to see from people who I don't follow because I talk about soccer all the time on my Twitter like you do. So there's this algorithm that suddenly I'm seeing all these crazy takes. And these people are getting like 500 likes for tweets. Oh, Scaly's great. Yeah, should never be tapped again. You know, 500 likes. And, and I, don't want, I don't want to see it, but you and I are seeing it on our timeline. I'm saying to myself, you know, leave it alone. Don't bother with it. It's just their opinion. I'm going to leave it alone. No matter how crazy it sounds, I'm going to leave it alone until I saw that fake made-up quote about Aaron Long or what he supposedly said. There was no newspaper uh, he talked to, no online publication he talked to, no you know sports network he talked to, nothing. And to throw that up on there, 
to get him in trouble. Because this is what these idiots don't understand. If you're going to make up stuff like this, you could put him you could put him into trouble. You can put him into possibly either A being suspended by MLS even though many know it's not a real quote, but you don't know how MLS will take it, what U.S. Soccer is going to take it, how the New York Red Bulls are going to take it, and his teammates on the Red Bulls or on the men's national team if he gets called up, who are, of course, either African-American, Spanish-American, Asian-American, you know, any type of, you know, person American where their their parents either originally come from Mexico or originally come from South America or from Europe. And there's like, did you really say this? Did you actually say this? You are not my friend anymore. That's what could happen. And these idiots don't understand. You pull something like this. Yeah. It could cost him his career. Yeah. They could ruin his career and divide the dressing room permanently at Red Bull and at the national team. And, uh, you know, maybe that's what these guys want. I, I don't know, because I think these guys, they talk a lot, a big game, but I think they ultimately want Berhalter to fail. Okay, and I, you and I, we spent a year on this show, like every week, Daniel, talking about the search process, and Berhalter shouldn't be hired, and we need to talk to Jesse Morris, and they need to talk to Juan Carlos Astorio, and they need to talk to this one and that one, and ultimately they didn't talk to any of those people. Um, I think Oscar Pereira got an interview, but that, that was probably just to cover their tracks, uh, interview one other person. But... Um, so we weren't in favor of the Burhalter hiring, but now I think there's a caked-in group of people who want Burhalter to fail, and they want to say, I told you so. So, you know, imagine this. The U.S. maybe, you know, gets, gets on a run and gets to the semifinals of the World Cup. I don't think that's going to happen, but let's say it does. They will still find a way to criticize right. him. To blame for us not winning the World Cup because he picked Aaron Long and he picked DeAndre Yedlin and he picked this one and he picked that one. And, you know, why, why is uh, Jordan P. Folk playing uh, striker instead of uh, – uh, who who is it that they uh, they they wanted instead of people? Who who? Oh, oh, oh Matthew Hoppe. Yeah, yeah. You know all yeah, this stuff. I don't think they can not pick people now. He's you know he's hit the ground running in, at Union Berlin, both in the cup and in the uh, um, the league. Right when this league had started this week, but uh, they were they were favoring Hoppe, who's been bouncing around from club to club uh, over um, people. There was all this like anger about people being called in over Hoppe that uh, consumed my timeline for like a week a year ago. It was really strange stuff. Like, I don't know what, what it was based on, but, you know, that's, that's the way they think. Now, here's the thing that really bothers me a little bit, and it doesn't really bother me, but because, you know, many of these fans are clamoring for John Brooks to be on the national team, to be on that back line and not Aaron Long. And you know what? That's fine. That's Okay. It's all right. It's all right. If they feel that John Brooks is a better player, better defender, better central, a better center back than Aaron Long, that's fine. Greg Berhalter should bring him in. We don't know if he will bring him in because we know that Brooks is getting up there. But the problem is, is that right now, what club is John Brooks playing for at this point in time? Where is he playing? He's not. Because the last thing I heard, yeah, real quick, the last thing I heard that the rumors were the San Jose Earthquakes wanted to bring him over. But it looks like it hasn't happened. So where yeah, is he playing I, I, right now? What preseason did he play I, in? What club signed him? No, Nobody did. And, and, and here's the other thing. These people, every time I would say, look, I'm a fan of Brooks. Again, I said he was the best American player uh, in Europe or best American player, period, between 2018 and 2021. At, at, at first at Hurricane and then at Wolfsburg. Better than Felix, better than Adams, better than McKinney. Okay. But he's, he's dropped off, really had a horrible year last year, and there were all sorts of concerns about him in the dressing room or his kind of, you know, working with teammates. This is what came out at Wolfsburg the second half of last season. This is why I believe Berhalter hasn't been picking him. I don't think it's a performance-related issue. It's an issue related to how he meshes with his teammates. So, um Again, this is something that these guys don't understand, right? Guys, they're a better teammate. You got, the guy can be the best player in the world. They're better teammates. Remember, France, you can criticize them for it, but they didn't take Benzema to a number of tournaments because you know, there are issues around Kareem Benzema. I think he's grown up a lot, and, and I, I, I think he had a wonderful year for Real Madrid last season and, and did well for France in the Euros. But they didn't take him to the World Cup they won when he was a starting not, number nine for Real Madrid. 
because there were, there were reasons. You don't just pick the best players. I, I, just, I can't stress that enough, and these people don't get that. You pick the guys who fit together the best, who, 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 will get, who will not start a fight with one another with a team meal, who will not be, you know, um, um, uh, 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 fighting on the team bus, fighting in the hotel, you know, or, or going out late at night, uh, uh, or leaving their teammates, right? You, you have uh, guys that you want that are character guys. Um, Tyler Adams is one of them, right? You know, guys like that. Those are the guys you want to build a national team around, not guys who you might have serious question marks about, especially when you're trying to rebuild a program, right? We didn't qualify for the last World Cup. This World Cup we qualified for, we want to make progress. We host the next World Cup. It's a process. I'm, again, not a Burhalter fan. I did not want him hired, but I back him now, and every fan should be backing him. Everybody in the media should be, you know, call him out where you need to call him out. But, but there's, there's also a system the U.S. plays. You could say, oh, Burhalter shouldn't be so rigid in his system, blah, blah, blah. But he is, okay? That's the bottom line. He has a system. I, I think that we should be playing a different way than he, he wants us to play, but whatever. That's my opinion. He has a system. He's selecting guys based on the system. Respect it. Respect the process. Exactly. And unfortunately, Cardick, uh, unless things change, which I don't think they will, I think it's going to be like this for, for the rest of our lives. I, I, I just don't have any faith anymore in American soccer fans who are rooting for certain players to lose. And, I, I, you know, look, I, 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 there are times I, I didn't like Berhalter's tactics in the first three games of, of World Cup qualifying in September, the truth of the matter is, I thought he was going to lose his job. And I wasn't saying I was rooting for him to lose his job, but, you know, after defeating Mexico in the CONCACAF Nations League final in, golden, in, in uh, extra time, defeating them again in the Gold Cup final in extra time, and to have the start that they have, that they had, September of last year, was just disgusting, and honestly, I felt at that time he deserved to be fired. I deserve. I felt he deserved to be sacked because he doesn't know what he's doing until he finally. You know, and there are still times he still didn't know what he was doing until he finally got everything done the right way when we got to March, and it's just been. And I'll say even uh, uh, January, February, March as well, because it it, it it's just ridiculous how is it that you were picked to be oh you want to play like Barcelona plays and yet these guys cannot play the way Barcelona plays and we get dropping points against Canada in Nashville you had a horrible opening half in Honduras until you finally switched it around in the second half and you still had a horrible decision uh, in Panama and in my book you still had a horrible decision because you pulled out Matt Turner for your for your favorite guy in Columbus and Zach Steffen, who does not play a single match in the Premier League until he gets that one opportunity because Edison had to stay in South America for an extra couple of days. Yeah, and he's played two matches in the championship so far for Middlesbrough. Again, I'm going to be on TalkSport in like 10 minutes talking about the championship this past week. No, weekend. I know. I got, I'm going to let you go soon. Yeah, yeah. But Steffen has looked really bad. I would just I want to say to, to the listeners, Stefan has looked really bad in both games. So I, you know, that's, that's, that's another mark against Verhalter. You're right. It is. And I don't know if, if these people, you know, are going to understand if you're going to win the a championship for the best goalkeeper in training for their club, because he's training with the best players in the world. Well, you know what? That doesn't count for three points, but he'll win the trophy. Yeah. You know, that won't count winning the Premier League. For, yeah. yeah, if he was if he was the best keeper, he'd be starting ahead of Ederson, but he wasn't. Uh, and the chances he was exactly. giving, he made mistakes. And and yeah, so so that was another thing. I think I think the benching of Turner. Uh, Turner is going to get some games um, uh, potentially because I, I think what's going to happen between now and the World Cup is Arsenal have at least one League Cup match, and they got. Uh, a couple of European matches in Europa League where I believe he is going to play. It sounds like 
the way Arteta is approaching Europa League, Turner will be the Europa League keeper. Uh, Ramsdale will start in the league. So you're looking at, uh, I think, uh, uh, six group games in the Europa League and a seventh, which is the League Cup uh, third round, which is before the World Cup break. So Turner could play in as many as seven games um, leading into the World Cup. So I think he has the chance to be the starting keeper. Uh, Horvath has moved to Luton Town, which is a good move for him. So uh, Stefan's not necessarily going to be the starter. Stefan now is playing every week at Middlesbrough, and he, he's got to improve his performances uh, pretty dramatically, in my opinion. You know, I've seen Middlesbrough's first two games. He hasn't been particularly good. Exactly. Kardik, uh, as always, I thank you for joining me uh, here on the show. And uh, I know you got to run to talk sport in England uh, to talk with them. But i got to say, um, I'm getting worried. I'm getting very worried about what's going to happen here. And uh, hopefully some of these people have some common sense, but I don't think it's going to happen. But thank you very much for your time, and uh, have a good night, and I'll talk to you soon. Yeah, thank you as always, Daniel. Thank you. Carter Krishna from World Soccer Talk. Um, on the uh, fandom that's failing our U.S. men's national team and our American players at the same time. You know, once again, ladies and gentlemen, look, I don't want to talk about this. I really don't. But when you see something that disgusting, despicable, and horrible, it is just an asinine situation to see what men's national team fans will go to to try and kick off a player because they think he's not good enough anymore or he's not good at all. I think it's terrible and it's just really going over the line. You can be critical. You can criticize them. I don't care. Criticize them for their play. Don't beg for them to get blasted by the opposition or any opposition that they face either in, you know, at the club level because you went too far. And if I'm painting with a broad brush, you're damn right I am because it is that faction that has allowed this to happen, allowed that one poster on Twitter to make that crap up that could have lost Aaron Long his livelihood. That's not for you to say. That's not for me to say or anybody else. This is disgusting. This has to stop. This has to change. And if it doesn't change, then I don't know if we deserve to be celebrating a World Cup championship if it ever does happen. It's sad. It's very, very sad. And I'm upset with it. I don't care what you say. You have a reasonable opinion or a reasonable idea why you think a certain player shouldn't be playing on the national team. Fine. You have an opinion? Keep it as an opinion. Don't go over that line that this one poster did on Twitter. Thankfully, it's been removed. But I'm here to tell you all right now, you go that far, you don't deserve to wear any... U.S. men's national team jerseys or women's national team jerseys. You don't have the right to support our national team. And that's how I feel. So we'll just move on. And um, just was made aware, statement made from the L.A. Galaxy about this whole situation involving Orange County SC uh, and the championship soccer, the Great Park Championship Soccer Stadium in Irvine, California. Uh, that was made uh, Monday, today, Monday, August 8th, 2022, 7.43 p.m. Um, Eastern Time. So that message came out 4.43 p.m. Pacific Time by the Los Angeles Galaxy. And here is their statement about this current situation involving themselves and their uh, two-team, as well as with Orange County SC and California United Strikers. The LA Galaxy are a proud partner to the local soccer community and are committed to positively growing the sport of soccer in the Southern California region. LA Galaxy are not interested in an exclusive arrangement for LA Galaxy 2 to play at the Orange County Great Park Championship Soccer Stadium 
and have advised all parties of our willingness to open conversations with the City of Irvine and other stakeholders on mutually acceptable arrangements pertaining to the use of the stadium moving forward. That is the current uh, statement made by the Los Angeles Galaxy of Major League Soccer. Now, once again, as I have said, Major League Soccer should not have to tell the Galaxy what to do, where to go, and how to do it. They can do it on their own. And while take it for what you want to, for how you want to take it, talk about it however you want to talk about it. If you feel this is bogus, that's your opinion. If you feel this is the right thing to do, that they've done the right thing, that's fine as well. They heard your voices. Now, apparently there was supposed to be a discussion about this in the Irvine City Council meeting that was supposed to be tomorrow night on um, Tuesday, August 9th. But apparently it sounds like that meeting has been uh, canceled. I don't know if there will be another meeting or will be made up or they're going to reschedule. But let me just say this. It is a failure on the town government of Irvine not to listen to their constituents who do support Orange County SC and those who support California United Strikers. I think their voices should be heard. I think their voices should be allowed to be heard. And you should, and they should understand how you as supporters of those two clubs in those two separate leagues and the partnership that they have at that stadium is what's going on. As I've said already, the New York Red Bulls allow FC Motown to play home games and the championship final at their soccer stadium that they share with Montclair State University in Montclair, New Jersey. Yes, they did not go after whichever soccer stadium that is not run by them, that's run by a township, uh, you know, invade that area. They didn't do that. But still, though, they allowed FC Motown to be a part of it. If the Galaxy are going to play a couple of games there, then I think that's fine. If they're moving in there completely, it's a crowded schedule for that stadium. But they already have their own little area for their two-team next to Dignity Health Sports Center. There I have it. Hopefully, maybe cooler heads are prevailing here. Maybe we'll get a, a, a solid answer. Maybe the clubs are going to talk to each other and find out the real reasoning. But as of right now, uh, I think it was good by the LA Galaxy to make this statement. Whether you choose to believe it or not, it's up to you. I am going to say that I'm glad they made a statement. doesn't mean that I think they will or won't go through with it. But until there's more information coming for now, I think it is a good thing that the Galaxy made this statement, and it's a good thing that they're telling the other soccer fans in the area this is not going to happen. I'm not saying I believe it's not going to happen. It could still happen. It could be different things that could happen. But as of right now, making this statement, the LA Galaxy are looking okay. And that's all I'm going to say. Time to recap the New York Red Bulls' last two matches. You know, that um, start off like a house on fire. Two big goals from Drew Yearwood and Aaron Long. And then, of course, uh, the penalty converted by uh, Lewis Morgan made it 3-1. And then, of course, Colorado gets a second goal, make it 3-2, going to half of the lead. And then, whether you want to call it fatigue, uh, fixture congestion, at the same time, you want to say... Uh, just basically shutting it off for the for the entire second half. Rebels were down 5-3 until the second penalty was awarded to them. Tom Barlow converted to make it 5-4. Looked like Tom Barlow did it again to convert a late equalizer to come out 5-5, but 
wiped out for offside. And uh, all I can say is, is that that's not a good performance by the Red Bulls for allowing the Rapids to come back into the match and for the Rapids to get their first win on the road this entire season. Um, it, it, it was just terrible. It was just terrible, and they deserve to be yelled at. Uh, Justin, just, 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 just a disgraceful performance. Whether that do, does lead to fixture congestion or players just switching off in the second half, just, just, just terrible to see how they played in this in that second half. Just like the second half they had against Orlando City in the Open Cup semifinal. Just absolutely terrible. And when it comes to the match against D.C. United, to me, granted, scoreless draw, not great. But in some ways, yes. Because they didn't allow a goal. Having rest... And then, you know, getting ready for training and travel to our nation's capital. Uh, that, to me, was a reset that they, they had to have. And even though they didn't score much, or they didn't score any, the defensive end of that game was better. Much, much better. Neither team had it that night. But defensively, I thought the Red Bulls were a much better side than they were in the last two matches. So all you can say is there's plenty of bad, but there is plenty of good in that match against D.C. United. They went out. They did a job. They found a way to stop the bleeding could have done more in the attack. That's a confidence booster that they needed. And now, full week of rest, get ready for training, bring in Orlando City this coming Saturday at Red Bull Arena, go out and have some fun and get the full three points. I will not call this a revenge match because it's the only way you get revenge on Orlando City is when you beat them in the Open Cup. That's revenge, not in league action. So we'll have to wait and see what's going to happen on Saturday for the New York Red Bulls. But other than that, they needed that draw. It had to be scoreless. They needed a restart and a refresh. Defensively, they earned it. Hopefully, when they get back home, more offense will come. But until then, just take it with a grain of salt and get ready for their next home match this upcoming weekend. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that'll do it for this show tonight. I want to thank my guest, as always, Carter Krishnayer from World Soccer Talk on the fandom of the U.S. Men's National Team and how it's failing. My name's Daniel Feuerstein. Thank you very much for listening to me tonight. And as always, please, enjoy your football. Thank you. Take care so long, and bye-bye for now.